What's up, Dunwoody? Lemonade Days 2019 is almost here. Um, Dunwoody Idol Competition will be a big part of the festival again. Auditions are next weekend, March 17th, at the Donaldson Bannister Farmhouse from 1 till 4. The competition will be narrowed down to a group of 10 finalists and then one band. The 10 singing finalists will compete at Lemonade Days, where one winner will be chosen and awarded a full-service recording session, a gig at the Young Artist Musical Review, and they will be featured as the featured performer of next year's Lemonade Days. The band that wins the Battle of the Bands competition next weekend will get to perform a 45-minute set on the stage at this year's Lemonade Days Festival, and that is April 24th through the 28th. We actually had Mark from Dunwoody Music on the show way back on episode 43, so if you want to hear more about the Dunwoody music scene, um, check that one out, episode 43. And mark your calendar, St. Patrick's Day, Sunday, March 17th at the Donaldson Bannister Farmhouse, Dunwoody Idol Auditions, and the Battle of the Bands. Looks like the rain will be gone by then. The farm is looking gorgeous. Um, I just love these Dunwoody events like so many that we have that have that small town feel. The show is sponsored by Village Orthodontics. If you've got a kid with a jacked-up grill, give them a call. Um, Brett tries to not give you braces, if unless completely necessary. And the Invisalign option is great for adults who don't want braces. So check out Village Orthodontics at the top of our website. The site's looking good these days. We're actually getting a lot of traffic from Facebook and Instagram and from others sharing the show on social media. We're going to try to add more sponsors to the website instead of taking up time on the show. Um, if you're interested in a little advertising, hit us up at contact at whatsupdunwoody.com. My name is Matt Weber. I'm a real estate agent, restaurant owner, and a lover of digital marketing. Feel free to contact me about any of those things or just to say hello. Uh, I love to hear from the listeners. Podcasting is kind of a lonely one-way conversation. So please reach out and tell me that you're listening. 404-502-8683. Maybe we can meet up at the Battle of the Bands next weekend. My co-host Justin Dyke will be there with me. We will be wearing green on St. Patrick's Day and nodding our heads to the sound of high school musicians. Justin built our beautiful website that I mentioned before. He is founder of PoolDues.com. Check out our new Dunwoody North Driving Club website. My neighborhood's really excited about the uh, functionality and ease of use. Even the old people understand it. The last two shows were downloaded by a lot of new listeners. The Porter Brewery episode was the biggest show we've ever put out. And then the first part of the GDOT Commissioner interview was uh, found by some folks in Sandy Springs and shared around that community. A few of them reached out to me to share their story about the widening of 400 and how they were affected. Um, they're dealing with a lot of what we're going to be dealing with in a few years. Some 40 homes have been bought up to make room for the highway now, and uh, that area is just a mess. We did this interview about a month ago. Representative Mike Walensky got us in touch with the commissioner. We did it in Walensky's office next to the state capitol. Commissioner McMurray is a real good guy. We we're happy to speak with him. I feel like after speaking with those folks in Sandy Springs that we should have pushed back a little harder in their defense. But here's the deal. These toll lanes are happening. It's unfortunate that some homes and businesses will be purchased and some folks won't get properly compensated. Um, imagine if you live next to a purchased home or your neighborhood entrance is nearly under an elevated lane. Since doing the interview and speaking to the, the all those folks affected, I do have a lot of empathy for what the Sandy Springs community is going through and an appreciation for the changes that we're going to have to go through with the, all the changes on 285. On this episode, we ask about the sound barriers and the aesthetics of those. Walensky pushes him on the Georgetown pool issue while Justin thinks about building a nice new pool. The commissioner explains how they tried to limit the right-of-way acquisition and gives us some uh, time frame on the construction. We discuss the Ashford-Dunwoody intersection and a new exit taking you directly to the State Farm Building so that you wouldn't have to exit on Ashford-Dunwoody and take a left on Hammond. And we finish up with asking the commissioner about green space and if he could help us get the uh, Dunwoody Greenway finished. 
The first minute of this recording you heard at the end of the last episode. I think it was important enough to leave in because it, uh, it's kind of the most important part of all the improvements. So here we go. What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. Will that project affect somebody going from Ashford, Dunwoody, onto 285 going 400 north? Uh, so that project improves, yeah, absolutely. How so if you're that? in Ashford, Dunwoody, uh, in, if you're on 285, let's say this, you don't have to mix with that Ashford, Dunwoody traffic that comes down the ramp and all mixes together. And so there will be a separate uh, be a couple of bridges there where uh, Ashford, Dunwoody flies over the ramp that goes to 285. And so that traffic does not have to mix together any longer. Or you can get you can just get around from Ashford Dunwoody right on to the the frontage road, if you will, that carries you around 400. So wherever you, again, you know, the the object here is to spread out and and to make the distance further where people enter and exit to access 400 from 285 and vice versa, instead of just being at one location. You know, we've got some renderings out there on on the web, you know, you can probably just pull up, Google it, and, you know, you'll see what those look like. But there's, it's sort of a mini spaghetti junction, if you will. You know, a lot of bridges, uh, in fact, 32 bridges have to be built on that project. So uh, to give you some complexity of this, a big project, uh, there's 152 walls. And I think one of the things that's really important to understand is we have 16 of those sound walls that to be put up as well. So that's one of the things that, you know, people, you know, are concerned about now is noise. We do a noise analysis and, and put up these sound walls so that it's a, you know, a better condition when we're done than it is often before we start. So that's and are a very those important. concrete walls, is that? Yeah, so good question. Is we, we, use, uh, we use different uh, materials, but generally it will be concrete, and which gives you the ability to have a decorative fascia on it. A lot of times we'll use uh, ashlar, which looks like stacked stone. Uh, generally on these type of projects, again, a public-private partnership, we'll put a... We'll put a, a line item in the contract that says, you know, to do uh, aesthetic treatments and usually get public comment on that. Sometimes we'll put out like a menu, you know, like, you know, pick one or two or three of these, you know, which, you know, get some public input on. We're not at that stage yet, uh, but uh, on the 400 project, but on these, on 285-400, uh, that, that is cer- certainly something that goes along with those 16 walls. So you'll have, they'll have it. On the- at the uh, meeting at Dunwoody Homer Association, afterwards I was talking to a, a man who lives in Sandy Springs. I guess that would be the west side, um, just north of the North Springs Marta Station. Has certain houses there been targeted for removal because of that project? So under the current project, all the uh, under the current project, all the additional property needed has been acquired. Okay. Now on the 400 Express Lane project, uh, that has not been done. So that's again, we're we're at the early on, which that that uh, person may be affected at that, and that's part of these public meetings, yeah. is we start rolling that information out, especially on the 400 Express Lanes. For that one, even though the lanes are going to be in the middle, what's going to you're going to expand the sides? So you have to expand to make to to take basically you take the two existing lanes in the middle that are out there now that becomes your express lane. So you have to add two more back to the outside so that you're not taking away any lanes. So that's why things expand to the outside. Generally, uh, unless you're around an interchange, you're just adding two more lanes on the outside. And generally, we have a good bit of the property that we need. When you get to interchanges and overpasses, it gets a little different. Well, the elevated lanes, why aren't you taking those right up the middle? 
So elevated lanes, apparently what's in the middle is how you get to them, how you access it, and cost. And so anytime you do elevated, it's much more expensive. So we try to, we try to reduce the footprint and always buy as least property as possible with the smallest footprint possible. And that's and that sort of is a is a talk about you know process sort of comes back to why I met with Representative Walensky uh, the other week and we started talking about 285 top end in some of the conversations uh, some of the things you heard at the town hall of you know why are we having these conversations because we're having them early to understand the impacts and so we have some conceptual ideas about what we need to do and where we may need to put lanes. But that's not the final decision. And if we were to go out now and say, hey, this is, this is what we're going to do, prior to having those conversations, then we haven't done our due diligence. Our, our goal is, again, to buy least property as possible. Sometimes that means going aerial or, or having elevated roadways because you can, you can get by with a little bit less footprint sometimes. Uh, and sometimes you just can't physically. Uh, there's some, you know, obviously, you know, you can engineer anything, but you may not can afford it. So we, we have to be good stewards of taxpayers' dollars as well. So on what's going on in the Georgetown area, is your goal, are you, you know, all we've heard about is raised lanes, raised lanes. Correct. Is it on top of into 285, is it all going to be raised? Or are you all going to be on the ground? What's the plan? Well, the, the goal is to be on the ground as much as possible because it's much cheaper. But where you have to elevate and, you, and think about, you know, good old Atlanta's hills, right? Hilly, even, even around Georgetown, you got some pretty hilly area in there. So uh, it depends on the topography often as, as you widen the road with what the topography does to, to determine if you're at grade or at the same road elevation or if you have to go elevate it. So uh, what we look at, again, on 285, the top end, what we're trying to do is build two express lanes on the outside, though. If you think about 285, it's already, it's already been filled in the middle. And a lot of the interchanges, you can't widen underneath. And so it's easier to build two lanes on the outside, either at grade between interchanges or elevate to go over existing interchanges so that you don't have to rebuild the interchanges. And that's what we did up in Cobb County was we would fly over interchanges and then go back down to ground as soon as you could. And, that, and that's the goal. And as uh, the, 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 the notion uh, or the, the uh, name up in Cobb County, somebody affectionately gave it, called it the toller coaster <laughs> because you go up and you go down and you go around. And, and that, the way they snake that road through there is because of that very thing is the, we're trying to minimize the right-of-way impacts. Uh, to to you know the homeowner to the business you know and obviously the lower co- the less property the lower cost and that's good for us. Yeah. What about um, sound on those elevated lanes? Do you do you guys put beacons up in the air to kind of detect the sound going out? So there's up there's high? yeah there's a lot actually a lot of traffic modeling that has to be done and and their sound model and analysis and so the difference though you ask about concrete. Uh, generally, on the on the elevated structures, if there's a noise abatement that has to happen, generally it's a different material because of the yeah. additional weight. <laughs> right, exactly. Because you could you could put the concrete up there, but you got to build a bigger bridge, a taller bridge, or a stronger bridge. And we usually use different materials, and there's all kind of different materials that are available for that. So that's part of the analysis that has to be done. Now, you know, we don't do that initially conceptually. That's part of the process, and I think to your listeners on the top end, especially as we're at the starting line. I mean, even though there's been decades of work and analysis of what could be there, we're really at this point of trying to figure out what the impacts are, 
what's the gotta-haves, what you've got to do, and then we go to, we get to sort of this point in the process on uh, like we're doing on State Route 400, where we've already done that sort of due diligence and work and rolling it out to the public. So we're trying to have these meetings, you know, to affect it people and understand it. You know, it's a very different conversation. Is if I, you know, the like the homeowners association meeting and our great great guy Tim Matthews was up there with you guys on job. our team. You know, you know, having that conversation with 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 that homeowners association is much better and effective than if you bring everybody together at one time. So we're trying to have such targeted communications and truly do an analysis. And, you know, at this point, it's hard for me to say, and Representative Walensky, you know, really was twisting my arm last week. Well, what's it going to mean? What's it going to mean? What's it going to mean for the pool? Is we think there's could be impacts. The pool at Georgetown. The pool at Georgetown. Specifically, specifically we a, we, yeah, absolutely. We talked minutes about Georgetown. <laughs> and I've had a lot of people contact me, and, and you know, we had a long discussion, and, and uh uh, hope, hope some thought it went into it, but yeah, we really need to protect that area the best we can. Well, absolutely. Since since we had that meeting, we went back and said, okay, here's what we got concept. Here's here's what we think, and and actually, we don't know if it affects the pool or not. It looks like it may, but we've gone back to sort of the drawing board and say, hey, is there other options? You know, and that's part of having that feedback. We'll see what we can do. What adjustments can be made? Uh, you know, again, we've got to we've got to address this big regional mobility issue that's going on in Metro Atlanta to try to continue to keep Metro Atlanta growing and mobile and vibrant and all the things that we want to do have for for the great state of Georgia but and balance that you know how do you balance that but yeah since since we met last week you know I was like we went back and challenged say hey is there is there other things that we can do and we're not ready to make the big reveal if you will publicly and say hey this is it because we're still working. We're still trying to sharpen the pencil. Yeah, I think, well, I, I think everybody appreciated that you came out six years ahead of time, too, to yeah. talk to everybody. If, if you want to take the pool and put it where the parking lot is and then put the parking lot where the pool is now, we'll take that. And, you know, let's, so I'll, let's, I'll sign paperwork right now. Okay, well, dive off the uh, well, yeah, no, no, no fishing off the bridge. But I think it's a good, about. yeah, on a note on that, what happens if you do affect the pool area? Um, hopefully you won't. Hopefully we'll keep having conversations. And, um, but worst case scenario yeah so so worst case scenario and uh is and this is a reality we need to have a conversation with because this will happen invariably somewhere is that we have to have an impact to a business a dwelling a pool you know a recreation area uh we try to obviously minimize all those but if that were to happen what we have to do is basically what we call cost of cure we have to figure out how to solve the problem if let's say Let's just say the pool is impacted. Well, we have to try to figure out using independent engineering and planners and try to figure out how do you replace the pool for the neighborhood and where do you do that and how do you do that and what's the cost? And that's, that's the state of Georgia has to come up with all those things and make restitution for those impacts. Same thing for, you know, uh, often, you know, the we have to take, you know, when I say take, we purchase people's homes. You know, and that that is an emotional thing. Look, moving is bad enough as it is, right? But when somebody, when the state of Georgia comes to your door and say, "Hey, we need your, we need to use your property," and your, consequentially, your home has to go, and we're have, you're gonna have to find somewhere else to live. That's extremely emotional, and and it, as it should be. But uh, we have to work through that, and we use independent appraisal appraisers to do the appraisal work and it's just like buying any just like you'd go buy a house you want to do your due diligence we do appraisals we make offers counter offers you know try to settle 
with the homeowner, you know, and relocation expenses to move people, all those things come into play. So, you know, it is impactful. I mean, we, we understand that, uh, but you're trying to, again, get at the greater good. And again, I just go back as we try to, you know, we try to limit the right-of-way acquisition at all poss- as, as much as possible because, you know, it, it, it just costs more money and more time. So, uh, but those things happen. So I think that's a good point to throw out is at this point, you know, especially for Georgetown in the pool, too early to tell. Uh, Are the, you doing two lanes or one lane on each side? Two lanes on each side. And then you need uh, an emergency. Are y'all, y'all going to have an, um, some sort of emergency lane? Absolutely. Is it possible to get it done? I mean, uh, a highway lane's about 11, 12 feet. That's correct. And there's two that's 22, if my math's correct. And then a six-foot buffer, let's say 30 feet. Is it, is it possible in certain areas you will only have an impact of 30 feet total? Uh, it's, it's possible. Okay. And a lot of that depends on where it is. Uh, in, in and around the Georgetown area, you know, we had some additional ramps that originally contemplated from uh, the, the two interchanges between uh, Chamley-Dunwoody, I guess, and Ashford-Dunwoody in that area. Um, and so that's where we're going back and saying, okay, what's, what's, uh, what's other ways to look at this so that we have less impact? And, and, but we have to not only do it there, we do it all the way around the perimeter. You know, it's like, what is the least impact we can do that provides a good, safe operation, and also try to improve 285 as well. I mean, it's just not a, express lanes. At some point, you have to get in and out of them, and where do those locations happen? And how do you how do you do those kind of things? And uh, and the fact the actual express lanes are going to be different entrances and exits too. A lot of people don't understand that. That's correct. And Tim was mentioning that you kind of narrowed it down to two spots for that that will affect Dunwoody, and those will give you direct access to elevated lanes am i correct like yeah north peach tree and was it east perimeter point i think that's correct were the yeah. two um and don't know which way you're gonna lean yet i guess uh, yeah uh, yeah i don't that's again we're in a we're in a it's hard to pin those down at this point no and, comment uh, <laughs> well no, not, your, not a comment the, the, but again you know to your listener please understand that this Wait, is I like inter- you said listener. That's pretty accurate. This is this is a this is a interactive an iterative process, right? The interactive part is public comment, understand understand you know what what the uh, public perception is, but also iterative in the fact that you continue to refine and try to refine your designs. Yeah, you know, for my constituents are concerned. How many more years do we have of community input, and when are we at the point on this project where? Uh, we get plans that say, you know, this is what we've decided. Yeah. So on the top end, we're we're again we're early on. So understand that we wouldn't even look for this project to bid that we would receive bids until 2022. So it's a ways out there, and we anticipate uh, public uh, information meetings uh, later at the end of this year, calendar year, going into next year. So we're you know, we're in this stage now, just like you, you know, just like the homeowners association meeting of listening, understanding, refining, and trying to get to a point that we go back out with sort of the hey, okay, here's here's the concept, and then from that concept point, understand that there's a huge uh, environmental process that goes along with this. I mean, we're doing some of that work now. We have to look at um, you know ecology, history. Uh, archaeology, all these things that have to be done sort of concurrently. But until we get the footprint and sort of, hey, here's the concept, 
you know, we don't know what that footprint is. And so when we get that concept, then we understand the footprint, then you can start doing the environmental analysis. So it's a, it's quite a, it's quite a journey of a project, but just know that, I mean, we're talking about a project that's not, if everything tracks along is not open to traffic until 2028. Long way off. It's a long, it's still a long ways off, but you have to start now and start having these conversations and start having the dialogue uh, to get things moving. Will you be commissioner then? Uh, hard to say. Be so I, ser- I serve at the pleasure of a, a state transportation board that consists of 14 members uh, that each member serves for their congressional district. So Georgia's 14 congressional districts. So you just got to get on the good side of eight of them. Is that right? That's the way the numbers <laughs> usually work, yes. So what is uh, Mark Bolkholter? Is yeah. the current 6th district GDOT board member. That's board correct. member. Yes. And what is his role in all of this? So Mark certainly I, is, I do hope to meet yeah. him soon. I emailed him after uh, recently, and I, I do. So, yeah, what is his role? Uh, yeah. Well, as well, far as Bur- uh, Mark Burkhalter is a great mind and uh, uh, a really great. I apologize. Great, I should call him speaker. But that's right. He, speaker. he actually was speaker. Yeah. And uh, You're new here. It's okay. I'm trying. I'm learning fast. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, certainly a great guy. And, uh, you know, the role of the State Transportation Board in, in, uh, in a larger sense is doing several things. One is approving the state transportation improvement program or plan if you will which is a four-year physically constrained document uh, that shows all the projects going on so obviously these projects are listed there because we're expending federal transportation dollars as well as state transportation dollars over the next four years on these projects so you know as you have a portfolio of projects across the state each congressional district in this case in the sixth congressional district uh, you know, has influence and wants to know what project, you know, they bring forward important projects to them that go through a planning process. And the planning process is a big one. And also, uh, being in your district, you're part of the Atlanta Regional Commission, the Metropolitan Planning Organization, the ARC, which which is another layer, uh, basically a six-year uh, fiscally constrained uh, transportation project program called the Transportation Improvement uh, program or TIP as we uh, love in acronyms and engineering so uh, we call that the TIP so that's the Atlanta region that says these projects are priority so these three projects the, uh, the 285 400 project underway 400 express lanes 285 top end those are all regionally significant projects that they have all said okay there's phys- there's state and federal transportation dollars to be expended on those so that's how the transportation board certainly interacts they're an approving body one of the approval process as well as in, in Metro Atlanta, the ARC, uh, and, and ultimately the governor signs off on all of those all those programs. And then also the State Transportation Board approves the actual construction contracts. And when we get take these things to bid, they have to say, okay, you know, GDOT, you can go forth and bid these projects to make them happen. And have these projects already been approved by? Yes. Uh-huh. They're, they're, well, when, when were they? Yeah. So they're, they, well, They've been around for all these projects have been around for quite some time, uh, but the uh, probably I guess two years ago was when they started. Uh, we started amending over the last two years to bring the the funding years into the financially constrained plan, the four year plan or the six year plan. So that's happened over the last year or two. I got some more Dunwoody questions. Can you explain okay. the West Side Connector? We, Everybody's, you know, once we said we were coming in here, they all want their questions answered. So. Well, I, may, I, I don't Especially know if I did my homework on Westside Connector as much as I should. So, to uh, ask for Dunwoody over, over top. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not. State Farm. Oh, over the this. One you were talking about. Yeah, so that's. Uh, yeah, that's certainly that's a, a city a city driven pro, project that okay. would change the way you access over to State Farm. Uh, certainly familiar with it. We actually have that uh, shown in our one of our layouts to show what that would be. And obviously, you'd go uh, the, go under the 285. Uh, no, that's that's a different project. The uh, the uh, you'd sort of go under as you exit off 285, going west or toward 400. Uh, what's contemplated was you'd go under Ashford Dunwoody and then run parallel to 285 and come over right over there at the uh, State Farm. I mean, so it'd be like a double exit. At sort of, sort of a double exit that keeps you from having to make a right turn and then a left turn. That's smart. And so uh, that is that's that intersection's horrible. It's a busy even with a even with the diverging diamond. It's, that's certainly a very busy busy interchange and, and busy corridor. Uh, so that's uh, that's a project that we've certainly had conversations with the city about uh, don't have it currently contemplated to be part of the top end project but those are again as planning happens and as you look for funding to how to do these projects you know that's certainly an ongoing conversation with the city yeah. absolutely um, sandy springs a guy from sandy springs was saying that you guys were dealing with giving them green space and kind of like working with their trailway system yeah absolutely is that something you're gonna be doing with dunwoody everybody you know half the people there last night were green 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 yeah green, sure and, and try to uh, give them something well you know? i'll tell you really with minimal impact going along with that question what can city of dunwoody or city of doraville um are they communicating with you to make the area better i guess is the question improvements how does that work well the promise that sandy springs was talking about that seemed well like a lot yeah so that that is actually a really uh really neat outcome is basically extending path 400 uh, from where it ends today through the 285-400 interchange and you know if you think about these interstates they're a lot rivers right you just can't get across them but in our project in 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 collaboration with the path 400 or path foundation and path 400 and sandy springs they both brought about a million dollars to the table a piece to put into our project that's being built today and then we and we fund it the rest to figure out how to get path 400 through to the inside of the perimeter through under 400 it goes under and over and around and uh, but that was a uh, that was you know very important to the citizens of Sandy Springs and uh, obviously path 400s made a lot of investment and then it really opens up the to the interior of 285 for that whole area and can you know ultimately radiate all the way down to downtown potentially so uh, that was something we worked in partnership with and again it's, it's a collaborative process so you know how does that how does that apply to Doraville and Dunwoody and and everybody else is part of the project is part of the project uh, development process are you all helping with the funding of that or just helping the design stage with them is there is there funding assistance that comes GDOT to cities well so there's not direct funding to GDOT to cities to do that there is funding through the uh, Atlanta Regional Commission there's a, a special bucket of federal aid money called transportation alternative projects that cities can uh, uh, apply for and get through the Atlanta Regional Commission and so there are there are funding pots for doing uh, you know trails and connections and multi-use paths and those kind of things and so, but in this case on 285-400, yes, we're, we're actually contributing the funding of that by changing our designs to make sure that we don't, that we accommodate, you know, we might have to make a bridge longer so that that trail or path could fit under it. You well, know? it's and funny so, because right around that Georgetown area is where we need space for the, the Dunwoody Greenway. Yeah, to connect um, to over to because uh, old Chamber. spring house is too steep, and so maybe you could work with the city and try to bring it around down by the highway through yeah. your pool, maybe. 
Yeah, let's just pull those. Let's get you a new pull. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but those are, those are the kind of things we do look for and, and try to, you know, work with, with municipalities. And, and we have other locations where you know, we have trails that are, you know, adjacent to interstate right away or the backside and things like that. And, you know, uh, very successful with that and look for those opportunities. Okay. Well, thanks so much for yet. sitting down with us. This yeah. is great. Oh, you bet. And again, just thanks. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Just know that this, again, this is a journey and we're, we take the public input very seriously. We, again, look to sharpen our pencils to have as least impact as possible, but understand that it is impactful. So we ask for patience, people's patience and understanding and, you know, that know that the, uh, certainly the directly affected homeowners and, and residents and businesses, it, we understand that is that is life changing, and you know we try to do the very best we can. Do we always get it right? Not always, but we certainly try our best. What do the citizens do if they you know feel that they need to hear or, or get somebody's ear from GDOT? What's the best route for them to go? Just a normal citizen. Yeah, I think I think the best is uh, put it right back to you as your elected representatives or <laughs> their voice. And right. uh, sorry to give you business that you may not want. Representative that, Mike Walensky, mike.walensky at yeah. house.ga.gov. Well, give them your phone number. Is there a phone number out yeah. there somewhere? Yeah, you can call me anytime, 404-790-0808. I am always around Dunwoody or Dorville unless I'm at the Capitol. That was a real phone number? Well, it's a good call thing me. there's give only two call. people here. <laughs> your one listener will call me yeah. later tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Before 8 p.m. is also suggested. Thank you. And appreciate it, right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thanks. You got it. My, my pleasure. Thank, thank you. you.